This isn't Bridgerton. So take a chill pill, Judith. Dude, like, accept your destiny. No, nope, 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 nope. Hello and welcome to Pass the Hot Sauce, a Roswell podcast. I'm Aliza Ora. And I'm Lorena Rose. We're here to talk about every episode of the 1999 WB series Roswell, one episode at a time and spoiler free. Today we're discussing season two, episode 11, To Serve and Protect. Unfortunately, we do not have Lisa, our research guru, with us today, so I'm going to do my best uh, to replace her in our intro. So let's uh, dive into the information about this show. To Serve and Protect aired on January 22nd, 2001. According to IMBD, this is the one where a law officer arrives in Roswell and questions Sheriff Valenti about a death which the sheriff has covered up for Max a year earlier. Simultaneously, Isabel reports to the sheriff a girl that has been buried alive, but whom Isabel has only seen in her dreams. Valenti's job is jeopardized when he pursues Isabel's lead. So this episode was a story by Jason Kadams, which I suspect is because um, Laurie Dupree is the start of a bigger arc within the series. And then the script was actually written by Breen Fraser. Breen Fraser also worked on the story for the episodes Blood Brother and How the Other Half Lives, and they worked in their writer's room as a script coordinator for all of season one. And this seems to be where Breen Fraser got their start. Uh, after this series, they went on to write some episodes for Alias and then worked as a producer oh. on Ghost Whisperer, which I believe was a Jennifer Love Hewitt series. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And then from Ghost Whisperer, Breen went straight to being a producer and writer for all 15 seasons of Criminal Minds. Whoa. So they have written 35 episodes for Criminal Minds and worked as a producer on every episode for the entire series. Good for them. I have some yeah. friends that love Criminal Minds. Yes, I, I'm a bit behind these days, but I was very into it for very many years. This episode was directed by Jeffrey Levy, and this is the only episode that he directed, and he totally made his rounds in the 90s and 2000s TV circuit, so if you are thinking of any show from the 90s and 2000s, he probably directed an episode of it. (laughs) (laughs) We have a couple of guest stars in this episode. We have Allison Lang starting off her arc as Laurie Dupree. Um, She hasn't done anything in entertainment since 2011, but Roswell fans might also recognize her from the film Christina's House in the year 2000, which she starred alongside Brendan Fair with. Oh. Yeah. And uh, Dan, the other, the police investigator, I guess we'll call him, is played by Keith Zarabajka. Yeah, that's how I would say it, Zarabajka. And... This dude is like a prolific talent. Like he his acting credits for voiceover and acting work are 246 items on AMBD from 1979. He has done everything, including an episode of one of my t- favorite TV shows, Castle, as well as an episode of ER. What? Yep. Oh, I'm going to have to look that up. Which episode? I had to write it down because I know you love to find the actors who were on ER. He played a character named Mr. DeLuca <gasps> on One Can Only Hope in 2002. All right, I'm looking it up right now. ER episode <laughs> One Can Only Hope. And then uh, from 
other WB series. He also was on an episode of Charmed and was featured in an 11-episode arc on Angel, the spinoff mm-hmm. of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So, yeah, he's done a lot of stuff. While I was watching the episode, I was like, this guy looks so familiar. I know I know him from somewhere. And then uh, I had to go eat dinner, like forgot to look it up. And in the middle of dinner, I was like, oh, he's Holtz on Angel. I just like knew it. It hit me. It felt so good. <laughs> so let's dive into this episode. Season two, episode 11, to serve and protect. What was your overall opinion of this episode? Let's so this episode's there. a little weird. We were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. It like... It brings together a lot of things. It's like they couldn't didn't have yeah. quite enough to like fill in the storyline with just the like dream situation. So they've like they're like introducing new things like Maria's cousin and like they've got the weird stuff with Kyle and Tess, which I love. It's super cute, but it kind of oh, like is separate always, yeah. from the rest of the series. Michael is barely in this episode. He literally has two lines. In the crashdown. Maria is also barely in it. Yeah. I mean, she's in it more than Michael, but Michael is literally only in one scene for like 10 seconds. Just towards the very end. Yeah. Colin Hanks is missing altogether again. Oh, I hate, I hate when they don't show us Alex. We miss I know. Alex. I know. Bring him back. But yeah, I mean, I love I love the Lori Dupree storyline that's starting. So I'm excited to like move forward in the season. But this episode itself is like a little weird. Yeah, I felt the same way as we were talking about like, I like each one of these storylines. I like Mm -hmm. when Sean comes. I like the whole thing with like Kyle thinking he might be an alien and Tess fucking with him. And what else? Like, and the Lori stuff, the dreams, like, I like all these things. There's just like, they kind of have nothing to do with one another. Yeah, you know? they feel disjointed. Like, I've been watching Six Feet Under, which was uh, an HBO show from around the same time. It actually was in 2001. Mm-hmm. It's when it started. It's like literature as a show, you know, like, it's just uh, like every, every episode has like a theme throughout. Um, so mm-hmm. I was kind of thinking about that and how like this episode definitely was missing a theme throughout and kind of each of the separate stories didn't have much to do with each other, but, um, Mm -hmm. but they're all things that I like. So overall, I like this episode. It just isn't, doesn't make sense as as a cohesive piece of TV, you know? Yeah, I would totally agree with that. You kind of get the idea that they're going to bring up a bunch of random stuff with the previously on because it's it's like previously on and then brings up Grant Sorensen, who we totally forgot about. Mm-hmm. And it brings up how Valenti doesn't trust Grant Sorensen and Valenti has like tried, like uh, gone to his house without a warrant before right. and that there was this guy that got shot in this episode like a year ago. Yeah. And Liz talking to Kyle when they were like in bed together pretending that they slept together talking to him about you know, did you see things? Because I saw things when Max saved me. You yeah. know, kind of getting us ready for the Kyle story. And and reminds us, like, that Isabel dreamwalks. So you kind of yeah. get the idea that, like, okay, all these things are going to be touched upon. There are a lot of different things. All right. Yeah. So this episode's going to wrap up some things, bring back some storylines we haven't visited yeah. in a while, present new storylines. So... We open this episode in the Evans house. There is this like tiny weird old TV in their kitchen, which the only reason I can think that they're watching this like weird little like antenna TV in the kitchen is that like they don't have a set for the Evans living room. Like we've never been in the Evans living room. Yeah, they don't have a living room. (laughs) 
As far as we know, they don't have a living room. Yeah, we've been in their kitchen and breakfast nook, and we've like been in Max and Isabel's rooms, and that's it. So that's, I can only imagine that's the only reason we now have a TV on the dining room table. I think you're totally right. (laughs) Where there's nothing on TV, as usual. Also, like, I don't know why this is a thing on TV, but has anyone ever had in real life a TV where as you change the channel each time, it goes... No, <laughs> that's not a thing. But like, no, it's definitely I've seen it in other things on TV for sure. Oh, yeah. But I was watching All this being like, time. what? Why does it like what? Why does it do that? Yeah. It doesn't do that. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So they're clearly don't like they're just like crap, crap, crap. So Isabel yeah. has a better idea of how to entertain herself. Let's go dream walking. And Max doesn't love the idea because he's just like, just stay away from Liz, please. Yeah, aren't you doing that too much? Aren't you overdoing it, Max? Yeah. Being a little bit a little bit controlling as oh, usual. Um, Max controlling? No, never. <laughs> I mean, he is right. Like going into someone's dream is a total violation. Oh, it absolutely it's is. Like, it is a violation of their privacy, of their mind. <laughs> but yeah. for the show, I love it. Yes, yeah. It's a fun fun alien power. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I like seeing the dreams and the way that they kind of show what a dream looks like in their Mm -hmm. world with just like different lighting and like maybe some fog. Yeah. (laughs) And so, of course, the first thing Isabel does is go into Liz's dream. Right to Liz. (laughs) (laughs) Where there's this weird like 90s sexy music playing and there's a sexy guy named Brad. What? this all about like who is brad why was this her dream no i was trying to figure out like trying to like analyze it being like okay so there's another guy but max it's like is brad kyle like brad wasn't the the guy from the from the blind date episode was he is he i don't think i mean i don't remember for sure but either i mean he's like some random dude basically i don't think so i thought it was random but uh, if any listeners know more than we do, please let us know. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just figured it was a setup for, you know, Max to show up in her dream and prove that he's better, better right. than an earthling because he can make it rain roses. Yeah. And then they're like making out with rose petals and Isabel's just mm-hmm. like, Ugh. Ugh, even Liz's romantic dreams are boring, which like I didn't find it that boring, but okay. I mean, I don't think any of the dreamers out there found found it boring. Yeah, no, I'm sure the dreamers (laughs) did not find this dream boring at all. (laughs) And we have to, like, keep hope alive because we're now halfway into the season and Max and Liz have not gotten back together again. Right. Which is, like, what this show is all about. Yeah. And one of Lisa's predictions for season two was that they would, like, be back together by the end of the first episode. I know. She was wrong. 11 episodes in. So we yeah. got to, like, keep hope alive. I got to say, my favorite part of this dream, though, is when I think they, like, are kissing, and then they stop kissing, and Liz goes, oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, like, what are you, from the, like, 1830s? Yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> I know. I wrote down, her this dream is so cheesy. Oh, my. It was just, it was hilarious. Speaking of hilarious... She goes to Kyle's dream next. Yeah. Where Kyle surely... is sitting with the Buddha. Yes. And it starts out kind of normal and being like, inhale, blah, 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 exhale. Like, I don't know, all the like spiritual yeah. awakening stuff. And then and his phone rings like, oh, excuse me. Yeah. 
Buddha's got a cell phone. Somewhere in there, too, Kyle, uh, there are Shakespearean quotes happening and that yep. Kyle thinks are Buddhist quotes. And Isabel's just, like, rolling her eyes, being like, that's yeah. Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah. And and Buddha has a cell phone and wants Kyle to be, like, beamed up to space. And Kyle is not here for alien bullshit. Yeah, Kyle's like, ugh, I- yeah, I'm not, I don't want all this science fiction crap, which I just wanted inner peace. <laughs> also, the show is science fiction for yeah. him. It is not science fiction. It's just like science, right? Yeah. There's no fiction about it for him. Yeah, it's real. It's for aliens us, it's fictional. Are real. For him, it's, it's not. So yeah. I thought that was funny. But then my favorite part of this dream was him being like, you're an alien, you know? And, and Kyle's like, I don't want to be an alien. And then Buddha goes... Dude, like, accept your destiny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Isabel gets sucked into this unknown dream. It's not a dream that she sought out. She didn't choose somebody from a photo to focus on. Like, she just gets, like, sucked into this, like, creepy dream in a forest. And, there's and she's, a girl, like, lost. And there's... She's like, Kyle? Like, where am I? Yeah. She's super confused and freaked out. There's this girl, the forest. It's dark. It's creepy. We don't know what's going on. And cut to opening credits. Yeah, and Isabel, like, wakes up out of that dream, like, <gasps> you know, she's clearly, like, kind of freaked out by yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And the dreams get more and more intense, as, and she seems to have even more mm-hmm. trouble waking up out of them as the episode progresses yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, totally. Right, this one, she just kind of sees there's a girl and that the girl was attacked. But that's kind of all she knows. Mm-hmm. So our beautiful theme. Thank you, Dido. We love oh, you. Yes, we do. <laughs> and then into our favorite sheriff's office. Yes, Sheriff Valenti. So handsome. I have to say that because Lisa's <laughs> not here. Yeah. Oh, he's dreamy. Yes. <laughs> Those blue <laughs> eyes. He's so yeah. distinguished. <laughs> you know, this guy comes in and they're kind of giving each other shit. And then you realize, you know, they're joking because they're like, oh, mm-hmm. well, you know, it's been so long. This guy's name is Dan and he's investigating the Hubble shooting. Which, you know, happened a year ago, they say. Yeah. But he's super chummy with Valenti, calls him Mm -hmm. Jimbo. Like, we think this is all just going to be like an easy, just like, you know, just just paperwork, just like standard stuff. It's all going to be fine. Also, did did you notice how dark it was in Valenti's office? Like, such dramatic lighting that was like hitting his (laughs) face, like his eyes are in the light, but then like the middle part of his face is not. It's just... So I did dramatic, not it's not necessary. <laughs> like, just give me some fluorescent lighting like there would be yeah. in a sheriff's office. Yeah, or like some some light through the mini blinds or something. Yeah. And then we head to the crash town where uh, Kyle and Tess are hanging out. And I love, I love Kyle and Tess's friendship developing totally. in this season. And she's like glug glugging. I love the like the foley sound effect that's happening of the like glugs <laughs> of the Tabasco sauce going all over her. I think it's waffles with like waffles. whipped cream. It's and, on her like yeah. whipped cream on her waffles. Oh, that sounds good right now. Not the Tabasco, but yeah, I could go for like a a big ass waffle like mm. covered in whipped cream. That sounds awesome. Maybe yeah. a scoop of ice cream. Oh, that sounds so good. So this scene brought forth the question in my mind. Mm-hmm. Why? So they always use such tiny bottles of Tabasco. The amount of Tabasco that they go through, they should be using bigger bottles. Yes, they should be buying Costco-sized right? bottles of Tabasco. Yes. But then maybe they would go look... Go to BJ's. 
you know? Suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> go to BJ's, go to Costco, wherever you have your membership. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle asks to try it. He does not hate it, which totally yeah. freaks him out because yes. he thinks it's because he's becoming an alien. <laughs> or, well, because he's becoming a half alien freakazoid. Freakazoid. He did say freakazoid. Which is like so 2000. <laughs> it really is. I feel like. <laughs> also, he said something about like Max transmogrified him. And like, yeah. I had to look it up because I thought transmogrify was like a word that Calvin and Hobbes made up, but it's not. <laughs> It just real reminds word. me a lot of Calvin and Hobbes. Nice. Um, and it means to transform in a surprising or magical manner. Ooh, interesting. That's a super accurate description then. Totally. And he doesn't want to have been transmogrified. And Tess is like, well, would you have rather he let you die? Yeah. Like, hello, dude. But uh, Kyle, being Buddhist now, is like, he does not fear death. He is. He would be reincarnated in another form and it would all be fine. Like a human or a gopher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who knows? You know. So in Valenti's office, there's unexplainable lighting again. <laughs> um, and for Isabel to tell him about the dream. But of course, Max has to be there because otherwise yes. she wouldn't be credible. Yeah. I really hate the dynamic here. I don't like Max in most of this episode. Um, mm -hmm. It's like he is like undermining her or like it. I don't know. It's just uh, I don't. I don't like it. And, yeah. you know, he has to be like, well, you know, she saved Tess. Like, she has had real dreams before. And it's like, why does he need to hear that from Max? Can't he just take Isabel's word? Yeah. And he probably would just take Isabel's word. But I feel like that's Max, as usual, like, inserting himself in a position mm -hmm. of power. I mean, mm -hmm. whatever. He's the king. He's the leader. Like, sure. Blah, 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 blah. But, yeah. yeah, we see him all the time just, like, inserting himself and, like, taking control of situations where that he does not need to be in control of. Like, Isabel yeah. is perfectly capable of handling this on her own, at least for now. Like, when she gets even more freaked out and distressed later in the episode, maybe she needs some brotherly support. But like yeah. now, like... And it's totally fine if he goes with her to support her, you know? Mm -hmm. But to then, like, she tells her whole thing and then he has to say, she, she's telling the truth. You have to believe her. Like, you should believe yeah. her. It's like, he, she doesn't need that. And is this one of the scenes where, like, she's seated and he's, like, standing behind her? Which is, like, so, this yeah. weird, like, position of power, like, that yeah. like makes her, like, smaller and, like less credible and like yeah, puts just, him in a position of power over her yeah no that totally is the the blocking there and i and i really hate it mm -hmm. i do me too and and dan sees isabel and max in his office um and yeah. it's kind of like hmm what is this what is going on yeah he you know but he plays uh i mean i don't want to say he plays dumb but he he plays it cool and just as like, hey, Senior Chow's for lunch, which means we get to see the amazing set of Senior Chow's Senior again, Chow's! which I love. <laughs> that place is wild. Our amazing Chinese-Mexican fusion. Yeah. So one other thing about Senior Chow's is like, I don't know what sweet and sour tortillas are, but it sounds delicious. I was like trying yeah, to imagine it what it would be. I'm like, is it like a quesadilla, but with like sweet and sour chicken inside of it? Or Yum. is it like, I'm also maybe imagining, I guess not the cinnamon twists from Taco Bell, but like some places you get like cinnamon, cinnamon sugar chips. And like, maybe then they have like a sweet and sour dipping sauce for like, oh. instead of having like salty chips and salsa mm. i mean whatever the situation is i would eat it it sounds good i mean if i could yeah. go to a place and get like empanadas 
and Lomain, I would be a happy girl. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I wouldn't mind. I, in general, I love fusion places. Yes, me too. But normally, at least in Boston, normally it's like Japanese-Korean fusion, not like two countries from opposite sides of the globe. Yeah. When I was on the road with the circus, there was a restaurant. It was a a local chain. There was like five, I think maybe five locations across um, the Carolinas. Um, And it was called Taco Sushi. And taco spelled T-A-K-O, like octopus in in Japanese. But it was a Mexican-Japanese fusion place. So you could get things like burritos, but with like teriyaki salmon in it. Or like you could get sushi rolls with like carnitas in it like so like interesting they had like some traditional of like either genre but then they had some interesting mashups for me that's what i want i want like a dish from each genre i don't want it all in one yeah that's kind of what i would usually do i would get like a like some sort of mexican appetizer and then i would get some kind of like traditional sushi rolls but their sushi was really good for being like in the middle of the country but i can appreciate the innovation of Mm -hmm. You know, coming up with a new kind of dish with aspects from different cultures. Yeah. I can appreciate that innovation, but like I, it's not what I would order. Yeah. So Dan and Jim are Mm -hmm. talking about the case and Dan asks about Max and Isabel because he's like, oh, right. Like I've heard of Max Evans. Was he there that night? He was on the Hubble report. Was he? Right. Someone said they saw him get into a car with Hubble. Was he there that night? And Valenti just categorically he's just like no yeah so dan's like okay if that's what you say like okay i believe you or i mean Mm -hmm. he doesn't really but he's making jimbo think he believes him jimbo oh my god and at the crash down liz needs to get her (laughs) shit together yes she does delivering a galaxy sub hold the max yeah what is she even saying hold the mayo yeah i think so probably and she but she's got max on the brain she's obsessed she is and Maria's like, you're in love. It's but fine. It's like, well, but she's not <laughs> with this guy. So like, don't be so happy about her being in love with him. Yeah. Help her get her shit together. Like, they're not together. She needs to move on. Find this Brad in real life. Right. Also, she says, she's like, I, I can't stop thinking about him. Look at this. What what did she hold up? I guess they are pictures of him. I was just like, there are cards. She's like, I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't really see what they are, but I, my guess is either they're pictures of him or like, Maybe she's, like, written his name with lots of hearts or something, like, been doodling. I don't know. But my assumption was that they're pictures. Like, maybe okay, that makes sense. yearbook pictures or something. Yeah. And then we see somebody enters, and it is... A leather jacket. Devin Gummersall, Brian Krakow, who on this show is Sean DeLuca. Brian Krakow, for anyone who doesn't know, was a character he played on My So-Called Life. Oh my gosh. See, I forgot to look him up on IMBD. So producer Ashley has just popped in to remind us that Maria's cousin Sean also was on the TV series The L Word in season one. He played Lisa the Lesbian. Uh, I totally which is forgot a that. Very interesting, weird, uh, early 2000s problematic uh, view <laughs> of a what would have maybe been a trans person if that show was today but mm. it's like a weird it's weird but it's also i mean what year did that show start around the same time as roswell probably you know so even though it was written by queer people for queer people it was a very white female lesbian centric writer's room for sure it started in 2004 so 
just a yeah. couple years after this. But yeah, in this, he plays uh, Maria's cousin, Sean, who's just gotten out of the slammer. Also, something else that we should probably mention is um, he dated and then was married to Mahandra Delfino for a <gasps> short time. Oh. Did you not know that, Lorena? I probably knew it somewhere in my brain, like, uh, but I it didn't cross my brain brain today so yeah they were married i think for like maybe a year i I feel like it was a very short time a long time ago too a long time ago got it yeah i feel like i definitely have heard like knew that somewhere in my brain but yeah i I have a brain like a goldfish so you know so um sean is back from we're supposed to assume prison yep yep because maria's like when did you get out does he reference juvie or does he or is it just implied but he definitely just got out of the slamma. The slamma. Um, so yeah. he's talking to Maria, who's like, you can't stay with us. And he's like, Aunt Amy already said I could. And the whole time, Liz is staring like a deer caught in the headlights. Uh, She's just like staring at him like mouth open. Maybe he'll help me get my mind off of Max. He's like, hey, Liz. She's like, hey, Sean. And he's like, ooh, <laughs> all grown up. I like, like oh, it. Oh, it's so gross. I know. Ew. Yeah. It's so gross what he said. Yeah, I don't like it. All grown up. I don't like it. No. Nope, 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 nope. So I found this next scene bizarre. Grant Sorensen <laughs> sitting in the Evans kitchen by himself, flipping through yeah. the channels like he fucking yeah. lives there. They're like, well, we already set up this set for this episode and we still don't have a living room where people would maybe normally wait and like, we didn't book the the actors who play the parents for this episode. So we'll just have him sit in the kitchen by himself. Like in the dark. And yeah. also this is what the third, the second of of many times in this episode that we see people flipping through the channels. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you know they're flipping. Yep. And the, and we see the light flash across their face as the channels change. Yeah. Yep. Because they're sitting in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I, so I wrote about this. I said, what the hell? Where are their parents? And then, I'm sorry, but I need to go into a bit of a Grant rant. <laughs> Please go for it. And I think we've said this before, and I I have seen disagreements about this in in actually multiple fandoms. Um, mm-hmm. But I've seen specifically about Grant and Isabel, I've seen, you know, people having different opinions on it. I feel very strongly that a man in his 20s should not date a girl who is still in high school and a lot of people will say, like, oh, but she's 18. 18 is an arbitrary age that the government decided on because they wanted people to be able to go into war at a younger age. It does yeah. not have anything to do with science or development. Yeah. Brains are still developing until about 25. Yeah. An 18-year-old, especially who's still in high school, does not really have the capacity to understand like the age difference, the power dynamic difference. Yeah. And I'm not saying that like people who are six years apart or even people who are 10 years apart shouldn't date. I'm saying the younger one should not be that young. Yes. Yeah. Not they can meet later in life. Yeah. 30 year old and a 40 year old. Fine. But it is not okay when one of them is still in high school. I feel very strongly about that. I do as well. I don't, I don't like it. And like, you know, given his career, like, he's not even, like, 21, 22 right out of college. Like, he is an established adult. Yeah. Like... He's, like, at least 24. At least. At least. At least. I would he's picture him being like more in his late 20s, like, having... Yeah. yeah. having a job like that. 
Like that's like maybe not even just like a regular college job. That's like a master's and like having proven yourself in the industry type job, I would think. I mean, I don't know anything about geology, but that sounds plausible. He clearly has like some kind of advanced degree. Yeah. So anyone listening to this, if you are, if you are the age 30 or over, even 28 or over, think about what you were like at age 27. And then think about what you were like at age 18. Yeah. Your understanding of the world is totally different. Yeah. You probably thought you knew everything at age 17 or 18. And by the time you're the age of 28 or 30, you probably realize what a dumb fuck you were at age 17 (laughs) or 18. Like... Just, yeah, just so green, you know? Yeah. You just don't know what life is really like yet. So, end of Grant Rant. Yeah. And if... Isabel's parents were home. They probably wouldn't want him taking her out on a date either, but they ain't home. They totally wouldn't because Diane has already like questioned Grant about his age at Isabel's birthday party. (laughs) So I don't know. I guess dad's on a business trip and mom went along. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? But Isabel is stressed out about this date. She's rescheduled multiple times, so she doesn't want to cancel again. She hasn't been sleeping well because of the scary dream walk that she had. She can't figure out what to wear. She's tromping around her bedroom with, like, one heel on. <laughs> She's got this weird, like, off-kilter, like, she has one shoe on. But she, but you're right. She refuses to cancel. Yeah. So she's just, like, trying to figure out what to wear. Yeah. And Max does not understand why she likes Grant and wants to go out with him. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm on Max's side for this one. Honestly, I see he's a good looking dude. He's smart, whatever. Like, I can, I can see why someone would want to date him. Yeah, but, but he shouldn't be pursuing somebody still in high school. In high school. They also, presumably, she's 18 now. They met before she turned 18. Because, yeah, because he showed up to her 18th birthday party. Yeah. Yeah. So, but again, the 18 age limit is a completely arbitrary age chosen by the government. Yeah. So this next scene is my favorite scene in the whole episode. Oh my god, it's so good. Uh, Yeah, Kyle uh, decides he's going to test out his powers in the privacy of his own home. Um, (laughs) He decides he's going to try and turn on the TV with his, like, telekinesis, uh, molecular, Mm -hmm. like, molecular restructuring powers that he maybe Uh has developed and tests... (laughs) walks in behind him just in time to see what's going on and grabs the remote and makes him think that he is changing the channels on his own. It's I so love it. good. And like, it's a good thing he gave his instructions to the TV out loud. Yeah. yeah. Didn't just think them. Channel 23. Yeah. Unscrambled porn. And she, Which... for a second, she's like, uh, what do I do? And then luckily turns into something with like a girl in a bikini running down the beach which by the way not what most porn looks like no absolutely not but i love that she's like oh my god like she's like gotta think fast for that one because she's like oh my god well we don't have unscrambled porn right like what would be on like at this time of day so it like implies that she knows like what's or something yeah like what's in syndication like what channel has baywatch in syndication at this hour and like pops over to it i love it it was so good and he stands up he's like oh my god i am a freaking and he sees her's like idiot i'm an idiot and she laughs this is i think i think the one and only laugh we get in this episode um Mm -hmm. and it's it's just so cute yeah i love this whole scene it's just it's great yeah it's like just like a simple joyful like funny scene and I feel like continues to show the like dynamic that's growing between Tess and Kyle the longer they live together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they go to the crash down together. They're like, you know, she's like fucking with him. You know, it's it's a cute little relationship that they have. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. A little friendship. Yeah. And then we head to the movie theater for Izzy and Grant's date. And Izzy is tired and sore. And um, a neck massage sounds like freaking amazing right now. Yeah. <laughs> Feel free to give me a neck massage anytime, yeah. everybody. Yeah. Aliza and I both got our COVID shots yesterday, our COVID mm-hmm. vaccines. So we are both a little sore. We could both use some massages. That would be great. Thanks, universe. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Everybody get your vaccine. Sore or not, it's worth it. Yes, it is highly worth it. Izzy has fallen asleep, getting all cozy with Grant in the movie, and she starts to have the dream again. Uh, Just a a comment on the what's happening in the movie theater. People are laughing like it's clearly a comedy. The the laughing is way louder than the movie, which is like not real. Yeah. <laughs> like laughing in a movie theater you can hear and it's annoying if it's like all the time, but like the movie is much louder, like booming yeah. speakers. So does this not count as laughter for you because it's not in direct response to something that's happening between the characters? So I specifically wrote in the definition, background laughing by extras does not count. Ah, got it. Okay. So it doesn't So count. this is by extras technically in the background, although it is like yeah. very much in our faces in this scene, but no, yeah. it does not count. It has to be from like one of our actual credited actors. Got it. And from the events that are taking place in their lives. Understood. Yeah. So yeah, Izzy falls asleep. Um, she starts having this scary dream again and all of a sudden she is screaming at the top of her lungs inside of the movie theater during a comedy. Which makes uh, everybody, including Grant, look at her a little bit funny. Yeah. So now what I'm wondering, this is, I guess, an unanswered question. Did Isabel stay for the rest of the movie after this? Or (laughs) did she excuse herself and run out and go pick up Max and go straight to talk to Valenti again? That's a great question. Because she does, like, sit back down. She's like, oh, I'm fine. Sorry, I'm fine. Yeah. So I guess she waits it out. But she's clearly upset by it because now she has seen the girl's car. She's gotten more information. We've She's seen that the girl is definitely blonde. She's seen that the girl had a silver car. Also that uh, there were some drugs that like whoever, yeah. you know, somebody drugged her. She saw that there were like bottles of mm-hmm. something. Yeah. So she's starting to get more and more freaked out. And Valenti believes her, but doesn't really know how he's going to go about helping with so little information. Yeah. Yeah. So in this scene, um, I was annoyed with Max again. Mm-hmm. And I felt like Max and Valenti were talking about Isabel as if Max were like her parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they're kind of like, like he says, he says to Valenti, I know how this must look. It's like, they, I just, yeah. I don't know. I, it just felt like they needed to talk man to man, you know? Yeah. It just feels like condescending towards Isabel. Super, super condescending. Yeah. Who is older than him. And perfectly mm-hmm. capable of speaking for herself, even when she's distressed. Yeah, she is a powerful woman. Like, no, everybody knows that. Yeah, but Valentily believes her, and he's gonna he's gonna figure out what to do. Um, so he gets ready to go back into work, and it stops in the crash down for some late night coffee and a yeah. snack, a galaxy wrap. I think is what he orders. Uh, oh, is it? To get ready for a a long night of work. So do we think a galaxy wrap is the same as a galaxy sub, just in a wrap instead of a sub roll? Probably. Something to think about. I mean, it might not have been galaxy wrap. Now maybe I'm thinking of galaxy from the galaxy sub earlier, but... Um, Maybe it was. Whatever. He sees this woman who is, like, very much flirting with him before mentioning her husband. Yep. Yep. 
who we've never seen before, but sure. Right. But she's going to bring in this part of the plot line that we need. Right. This is an important part of the plot line. You know, she mentions that she hasn't heard from her daughter and her daughter drives a Toyota, which is, you know, what Isabel said she saw in her most recent Mm -hmm. dream. Yeah. So he, you know, reasonably assumes that this this is the girl. Yeah. Um, Isabel said she saw a missing girl. This girl is missing. She fits the description. Isabel even, uh, you know, looks at a picture of her and is like, yeah, I didn't see the girl's face, but yeah, I think this is her. Because she does look like the girl. Mm-hmm. So it, it, there's like a hubbub at the sheriff's station. Yeah. You know, circling the wagons, I believe is a phrase that was thrown around. Yeah. Yeah. Calling everybody into action to start a search party for this girl who now, mm-hmm. you know, we have a report from her mom that she hasn't been heard from. And, you know, we have our anonymous tip from Isabel. Yeah. And, um, you know, her mom's freaking out, brought up, brought that picture. Um, mm-hmm. Also, he, Max is like, oh, I don't recognize this girl. And Valenti says she goes to Goddard High. So I looked it up. Goddard is a high school in Roswell. Oh, interesting. I thought they, they would just make it up. Nope. Goddard High School is... They picked a real one. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Way to go, research team. So, uh, yeah, I was impressed with them. I mean, they've done good stuff before, like the Cheese Factory. Mm-hmm. They were, yeah. r- you know, Ugh. more or less right about. Yeah. How come we never hear about the Cheese Factory anymore? I know. We should hear more <laughs> about it. Um, and it, and it also, it becomes clear that Isabel doesn't just see her. She feels her. You know, the girl is is having a terrifying thing happen to her. Mm-hmm. And Isabel feels yeah. that terror. So, yes. you know, she's not just worried about this girl. Like, it's it's more than that because she has felt what the girl's feeling. Yeah. So Sean's at the crash down again, this time mm-hmm. sitting down to eat. And Maria yeah. is, you know, threatening him. If he dines and dashes, she'll kill him or something. Yeah. And he pulls out like a handful of change and like crumpled up dollar bills and is like, is this enough? Like, what a tool. Yeah. I don't he, like he's him. He's a tool, but so I far. do like him. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think he's so cute. I'm sorry. You can think he's cute. That's okay. I like a bad boy. What can I say? <laughs> um, and, and Maria talks to him about some rules. Yes, some rules for the house. Number four, which is leave Liz alone. Mm -hmm. Leave her alone. All the other rules did seem reasonable. Like, don't leave your underwear on the floor. Put the seat down. Don't drink milk out of the carton. Yeah, pour it into a fucking glass. I live alone. If I want to drink milk out of the carton, I do. Because it's just my milk. But if you live with other people, especially if you're like kind of a guest in their home... (laughs) Yeah. Definitely don't do or that. get a glass. Even if you're not going to be polite enough to do your own dish after you drink out of the glass, at least drink out of a glass. Yeah. So those were all reasonable. But then she comes to the Liz thing. Leave her alone. Mm-hmm. She's in a very delicate place right now. Fragile place. Yeah. Very Max obsessed place. Trying to trying to break her obsession. And then like right after she leaves, he turns around and is like, I fucking sorry. I flirting with Liz. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yes. More I flirting. Let's keep it PG here. PG 13. Yeah. Um, also, <laughs> did anyone else notice his burger bun had a ton of poppy seeds on it? Yes. And like, am I the only one that finds that weird? It's like a, it's more like, um, like a, yeah, it's like a seeded roll. It's not a typical, I don't know, like I've seen rolls like that, but not for Sure, I have seen rolls like that, but I don't think of those as like a typical like burger. Burger roll. Yeah. 
Same, same, same. Bun. I also was burger like, bun. that roll is intense for a burger. Yeah, so many poppy seeds. Don't get me wrong. If if you are ever giving me a burger and you want to give it to me on a poppy seed bun, I will enjoy it very much. Yeah, but it's just not typical, especially not for like a greasy spoon diner. Right, exactly. They wouldn't have some kind of fancy seedy bun. Yeah, that's like an organic cafe bun. Like. Right. I don't like not something I would expect at the crash down. Yeah. But hey, good for them. It's like uh the Parkers have sprung for some fancy ingredients. Yep. And then we head back to Isabel dreamwalking again. She's taking a nap because she's super stressed out and it seems like she's hoping to dreamwalk also and get more it does. information. Yeah, she's like- in her clothes on top of the covers, it looks like this yeah. is intentional. Yeah. Um, and she does end up in the forest again. And this time she sees a body bag and she sees Grant Sorensen's face. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. The dude I like is a serial killer. So that's uh, a bit of a downer. Yeah. But Sheriff Valenti says he will take care of it. Like, despite not having a warrant or anything yet, he's like, I will handle it. And he goes to try and get a warrant from, I guess, from, like, the judge? Is that who you go to for warrants? Yeah, he's a judge. But he he goes and, like, bothers the judge while he's golfing, which I don't think is the normal way to try to get a warrant. No, but, like, if the judge wasn't in the office, I guess, and he doesn't want to wait for office hours, then he's going to, like, go bug him on his personal time. Yeah, sometimes you got to get a warrant quick. Yeah. But I assume there's, like, a protocol for that, too. Like, maybe there's, like, a judge who's, like, on call or something. I don't know. Yeah, is there only one judge in Roswell? Like, what's going on? Also, the actor who plays the judge, his last name is Kadams, and I couldn't find any information about it, but I'm wondering if it's, like, Jason Kadams' dad. I feel like, what are the chances? Like... It's not a super common name, yeah. Like, I didn't find anything about it, but his last name is Kadams, so maybe? Um, He also says, he says, you're ruining my handicap, which, like, I don't know golf, but, like, what does that mean? Lorena, do you have any idea what that would mean? I do not know. I also didn't, like, try to find out. Let's see. A golf handicap is a numeric measure of a golfer's potential that is used to enable players of verifying abilities to compete against one another. Uh, Better players are those with the lowest handicaps. I don't know. So it sounds mathy. It makes sense to me, kind of like playing against your own score because yeah. you can't compare two different people of like very a very different skill level. It makes sense. Yeah. So he goes straight from the judge telling him, No, you cannot have a warrant to Grant Sorensen's worksite where he does what he wanted the warrant for, but without a warrant. Yes, without a warrant, which Grant pretty quickly is like, Do you even have a warrant, bro? And Valenti just, like, evades the question and is just like, I got things to talk to you about, buddy. He also, like, goes into his tent and pulls out this body bag with one hand easily. Yeah. Which immediately should tell you there is no body in that bag. Yeah. I mean, unless you are very, very strong. Right. You can't just grab it, like, lift it up, pull it over. Yeah, 100 pounds of dead weight, like 100 plus pounds of dead weight. And sure enough, there is no body in there, in the body, in the body looking bag. It is photosensitive equipment that he was using for nighttime work in the Carlsbad Caverns. Photosensitive equipment, I'm assuming, uh, gets damaged when exposed to light. That's what photosensitive means. Yes. So now Valentius just damaged his very expensive equipment. Yep. Without a warrant. Yep. He's in trouble now. He's kind of losing it, Valenti. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's just like, he's losing his his judgment. You know, mm-hmm. he's kind of, he's making really bad calls. 
Yeah, he absolutely is. So this was a a stupid thing to do. And then back at the sheriff's office, Dan the man is now worried about this lead that Valenti is following. He wants to know who who gave him the lead. You know, the state board is watching Valenti. You know, his co-workers are noticing that he's going off the rails. And then, oh shit, Melissa Foster shows back up with, Mm -hmm. I heard you were looking for me? Like, just so casual. Like, hi, I'm Melissa Foster. I heard you were looking for me. Um, it's just funny because, like, the whole town was, like, up in arms trying to yeah, find, find her. this missing girl. You know, it's clearly, I mean, Grant Sorensen, too. He's like, oh, is this about the missing girl? I was in the opposite direction in Carlsbad, not even Santa Fe. You know, like, it's, yeah. it's like everyone in town, like, knows not just that a girl's missing, but, like, all the details of yeah. her case and everything. Yeah. But it's not that tiny of a town. <laughs> she's just here. Yeah. And, like... You know, so her mom took away her cell phone because it was cost too much, which like, remember those days when you like your cell phone charged you by the minute? Mm hmm. And like, so shit got real expensive. Except for like nights and weekends or something. Yes. You get, like free unlimited calls yeah. on nights and weekends. So I would always have to wait until a certain time to call my friends at night. Yeah. But like if your car broke down, because she says her car broke down, right? Like her car broke yeah. down and she got stranded. Like find it fucking pay phone girl and like call your mom like yeah you know wouldn't you like like my car broke down i need money mom like she's a high school student like yeah (laughs) also may this be a lesson parents don't take away your kids cell phones when they're gonna be out of the house especially if they're going far away give them their cell phone back it's about safety so yeah and then valenti tells max and isabel mm-hmm. like in a back alley yeah i'm like the back alley behind <laughs> the sheriff's department like, i guess yes. like it's like next to like you a can't dumpster. come in like i'm under fire like meet me around back like you yeah know. he says he's like yeah I, I you know i'll get in trouble but i'm sure it'll blow over it's like i don't know why he would think that what he did yeah. was pretty serious yeah but I mean, even if he doesn't really think that he's being he's, you know, he's letting Isabel know it's OK. He doesn't blame yeah. her. It's not her fault. Like he trusts her. He will figure it out like she doesn't need to worry about it. Yeah. Like, you know, he doesn't want to put more stress on her, which mm-hmm. I do like. That's very sweet of him. Yeah. He doesn't want her to feel bad. <laughs> As opposed to Max, but we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. So, yeah, right after Valenti says, I'm sure it'll blow over, he's being chastised in his office and told to find himself a lawyer. Yeah, because now Grant Sorensen wants to sue the sheriff's department for $15 million for his Uh ruined equipment and for, you know, assumably, you know, emotional damages and stuff. And this is the second time. Yeah. Right? The second time that he has gone through Grant's stuff without a warrant. Yeah. So no wonder Grant is pissed and now wants yeah. to file a lawsuit. I would be too. I mean, I would I would maybe, you know, sue the state if this happened to me twice. Yeah. Yeah. So Max is being, I'm sorry, but Max is being a complete asshole in this scene. Yes. Yes, he is. He's blaming her, trying to make her feel guilty when, you know, a minute ago he was like, You gotta believe her, Sheriff. Yeah, he's being a total dick. Like, your dreams were wrong. You were wrong. He's being really harsh to her when she already clearly feels like shit. And now he is just, like, chastising her and making her feel worse. And having no accountability for his role. Because every time she went to talk to Valenti, he was right there. He was there. He included himself. He involved himself in all of it, except for the blame part of it. You know, he says to her, he's like, you know, something about Valenti might lose his job. Have you thought about that? It's like, 
I'm sorry, did you think I'm about sure that when the has. two of you like, went together? Like, yeah. I just fuck him for yeah. putting this all She's on She's already her. riddled with guilt for, like, the knowledge she has about being Philandra in the other life. And now she's yeah. riddled with guilt about this. And he's just, like, rubbing her face in it. And then all of a sudden, he, like, turns his charm back on. And yeah. then he's like, oh, I'm so blah, blah, blah. Like, still you were just yelling you. at her and being a dick. Like, I don't like it. And she was just trying to help someone, you know? Yeah. She said, she's like, you know, I wanted what we are what I am to do something good for a change, Mm -hmm. which like, yeah, makes total sense. And I think that's something that resonated with Max, because I think that's when he kind of changes his tune and is like, yes, you saved you saved my life, you know, trying to make her feel better. Like you have done good things with your powers. Yeah. And now we head back to the crash down where we finally see Michael in this episode. Finally. Where has our beautiful boy been? I was beginning to wonder like a scene or two before this, I was like, is Michael even in this episode? Like, where the fuck is Michael? Like, I know we've yeah. had a lot of episodes without Alex lately, but I was like, where's Michael? He's always here. And then lo and behold, here he is for two whole lines. But Sean shows up. Maria is sassy. Super sassy. <laughs> What's new? <laughs> yeah. And then like, poor Kyle, nobody's listening to him. He's trying to like unload his heart to them and they all are distracted as usual. And then he says to Maria, uh, hey, got any cousins for me? Yeah. Aww. <laughs> Poor Kyle. I know. <laughs> Kyle, I have a cousin for you. <laughs> Just kidding, I really don't. But if I did, Kyle, yeah. <laughs> I'm here for you. You know, so they think it's all, it's it's over. Isabel's dreams were wrong or whatever. Mm-hmm. Melissa yep. Foster has been found. It's over. Except that it's not. Because yep. Isabel dreams about her again. This time seeing even more. Yeah, she has the most intense dream that she's had she is calling out to max in her dream and like he runs in and like he can't seem to shake her out of the dream like it's like she's being held in the dream which is terrifying he's like shaking her shaking her and then when she finally comes out of it he's there like holding her he's being a good brother here yeah like that reminds me of so when i uh was in the hospital once I woke up from weird dreams and had like night paralysis. So it like Ooh, felt I've like I that. was stuck in this dream that I couldn't come out of, which was super terrifying. Like because I like was aware of my brain waking up and my eyes were open, but like the dream was continuing and I couldn't move. Like mm-hmm. in the dream, I was an action figure in like a plastic case, which like doesn't sound super scary like necessarily and it's right but then I was like tied down with like the little little twist ties in the box and I like was stuck in there and I couldn't get out and then I woke up and I still couldn't move that um that used to happen to me all the time it's the only time I ever experienced it and it was terrible I would like wake up or or feel like I woke up like basically I would like open my eyes and see around me like exactly what I would see around me if I opened mm-hmm. my eyes but not be yeah. able to move but there are a couple yeah. times where I was like that but then still kind of dreaming but I'm laying in my bed can't move and there's like this enormous like alien like bug lowering Ooh. itself like Ooh. next to me you know yeah and you can't move but then oh. I would wake up and be like wait no that was a dream <laughs> like that <laughs> was not real yeah that was not the real part of my life <laughs> uh, but yeah nightmares intense nightmares like that are ugh, ugh. and then we head back to the sheriff's office and we find out that not only is Grant uh filing a grievance against the city but so is Judith which, like, mm-hmm. whatever, Judith, like, you got your daughter back. Like, are you really going to be mad that, like, 
the sheriff jumped to action when you were worried about your daughter? Like when he also had reason to believe that there were that there like was a blonde girl who was being hurt by somebody. Yeah. And and then a blonde girl is missing. Like it's reasonable for him to have assumed it was her. Yeah. Take a chill pill, Judith. Like, you know, you have your daughter like be happy that she's okay. Yeah, but this is like building up that, you know, Valenti is losing his control of his department Mm -hmm. and of himself. And And Dan brings up his dad, you know, is is kind of like giving him a hard time. And this is um, this is right after Max calls him and says it's not over. Um, Isabel saw that it was in Fraser Woods in her dream. Mm -hmm. So like we're heading there. And and Valenti, you know, clearly is trying to hide this from Dan. So he says, yeah, you know, I'll meet you there, deputy. Um, And then Dan kind of threatens him and he says, if that call was from those kids, something, something, I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah. He's going to look into take away his badge. Like, yeah. You know, and then he really will be in the same boat that his dad was in where nobody believed him and he lost his job over it. Mm-hmm. But fast forward to Fraser. Fraser Woods and they're looking around and they're trying to figure out what's going on and Valenti spots uh, what he calls a molehill so like some ground that's been like dug up and disturbed and they find a wire of some kind and mm-hmm. they find the oxygen tanks which like then that's kind of where like shit starts to get real yeah like shit like like okay oxygen tanks yeah. like what's going on here this is fucked up somebody is buried alive um, and so yeah we see that she has been buried but her face is in like a clear tank. Yeah, which I feel like that must be what is the what the, Where the oxygen is uh, the oxygen is running to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I mean, someone clearly went to a lot of trouble to set this all up, like have yeah. all these materials and the drugs and the oxygen tanks, and you know, like this was a, an organized thing. This is not a spur of the moment like rage. Like this is a planned event. Yeah. Also, did you notice how like foggy the woods were? It's just yes. like they just like made it super foggy to like nice and creepy. Yeah, it's like the woods are just so foggy for like dramatic effect, but it also yeah. doesn't look real. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny. Yeah. Um, and we see that someone is watching them. Someone mm-hmm. wearing a balaclava. Yep, and looking at them through the barrel of a of a some sniper, sort of sniper rifle. rifle. Yep. Yep. And that person starts firing shots. Luckily enough, Max has a power to stop bullets. Yeah. So he yep. puts up his force shield. Mm-hmm. Which gives Isabel opportunity to use, I guess, her super alien strength to just like break the the oxygen bubble that's around this girl's head. I thought it was like something about her like manipulating the molecular structure of that yeah. tank. I mean, I guess so. Theoretically. <laughs> But they they get her out in time. They stop the bullets. Uh, Dan the man has followed them and shows up and conveniently like misses all of the like bullets firing and stuff. And but does find that they have that they have found and rescued this unknown girl. Because it's so hard to hear bullets firing when you're nearby. In a quiet forest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like if he followed them, he would have heard the bullets. That's yeah. For sure. And like that, it was more bullets than could have come just from Valenti's gun. Oh, yeah, for sure. And you could, I mean, if he were that close, he would be able to hear that the bullets were coming from two different places. Yeah. The shots were. But what Anyway. What else? What's important here is that they saved this girl whose yep. name is Lori. Mm-hmm. Um, she says she never saw the guy's face. 
which I mean, this guy clearly went to trouble to cover his face. He was, you know, mm-hmm. wearing like a full ski mask. Yeah. Um, and that she came to the area to visit her parents and, you know, was attacked on the street. Yeah. And Dan doesn't believe that good police work was the answer to them solving this mystery of the missing girl. <laughs> and that Izzy and Max weren't just on a ride along, which children shouldn't be doing anyway. He has a good point. It doesn't take uh, good investigative work to know that something is up when he's like, oh, I took them on a ride along at night to, you know, into the woods. Yeah. And then we find out from the deputy that there's no marks. There's no impact marks on the bullets. It's like they just stopped in midair and fell to the ground. How weird. What's going on? I don't know. Thank you, Hanson, for bringing that to our attention. Yeah. In front of Dan. Yeah. It's funny because Dan says that Valenti doesn't lie so well, which is like, we talk about that a lot on this show, about how the characters yeah. <laughs> like are not good liars. So Valenti's right there along with them, I guess. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Isabel goes to kind of comfort Lori as she's being loaded into the ambulance and she gets this weird flash when she touches her. It's like she goes inside of her blood and... I don't know, in sees, through her like, eyeballs some... and into her DNA and sees yeah, that. Yeah, it's like her, some molecular thing, like her DNA that she, mm-hmm. something, recognizes. I mean, she like recognizes yeah. it. So she tells Max, uh, I think I know her. Like there's something yeah. about her. So it's really setting us up for yeah. the cool next episode. We're going to find more out yep. about this. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, Lisa's not here to predict, but she would probably guess that we're going to Learn more about that girl. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I love this whole arc that's starting. This is my favorite arc of the season. So I'm excited to like move into this next series of episodes with y'all. Well, even though we don't have Lisa for Lisa's predictions, we can still do our hot and sussy. Now let's see who's hot and sussy. So, Aliza, do you have a pick for Hot and Saucy, or should I go first? You go first. I need to think a little more. I have my pick. So, my pick for Hot and Saucy is all of Maria in this entire episode. She is so saucy, (laughs) especially to her cousin, Sean. Like, she just is, like, spreading the sauce all around. So, that's my pick. That's a good pick. My pick is probably, maybe, an unpopular one. (laughs) I'm gonna pick Sean DeLuca specifically I guess he's kind of saucy in the whole episode all the parts Mm -hmm. he's in but he is specifically hot when he and Liz are like eye flirting across the cash down it is not hot when he says all grown up I like it quite the opposite it's it's gross um like objectifying a young girl but Mm -hmm. I mean you know we're assuming here that he's not, like, that much older than them, or yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. Like, I picture him being, like, 18 or 19. Yeah, like, they like, grew up together. He clearly, like, yeah. knows Liz yeah. from when they like, were little. Like, he probably lived with his aunt and Maria before he went to juvie or wherever, you know, whatever right. sort of situation he was in. Right. If he has a good parent situation, uh, then he that's probably where he would be. Yeah, so he obviously doesn't. After juvie, so, Yeah. So yeah. I'm sure he spent a lot of time with Maria. But yeah, I find him hot and saucy. <laughs> all right. We did it. We stayed on track Thanks. even without all of Lisa's research. I know. We we did research on our own. Check I us know. Out. <laughs> 
Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'll be back in two weeks on Tuesday, March 9th with Season 2, Episode 12, We Are Family. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Roswell Hot Sauce or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Roswell Hot Sauce. And you can find our website with show notes and other great information about us at roswellhotsauce.com. And we always love to hear from our listeners. So if you have any thoughts about today's episode or any questions, comments, concerns, please uh, shoot us an email at roswellhotsauce at gmail.com. Pass the Hot Sauce is produced and edited by Ashley Hullett. Our theme music is by David Belcourt, and our logo was designed by Billy Murray. Until next time. You're not ready to be like a half human half. Alien freakazoid. <laughs>